they're looking for, they win. Ignore them, you win. Hi, everybody. I am Ari Ingle, the director of Creative Community for Peace. Thank you so much for joining us today. I know we have people from all around the world tuning in. Uh, we had a lot of great messages from people who were super excited uh, about this panel. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Creative Community for Peace is a nonprofit entertainment industry organization comprised of prominent members of the entertainment community who have come together to promote the arts as a bridge to peace. Uh, additionally, we are also the leading organization working to counter anti-Semitism within the entertainment industry and also to galvanize support against the cultural boycott of Israel. Uh, just for an, an example, through the years, we've supported artists from Alicia Keys and Jennifer Lopez to Bon Jovi when they booked to perform in Israel and have faced boycott pressure. And through our digital task force, we were responsible for the removal of hundreds of pieces of anti-Semitic content from sites such as TikTok, Spotify, and YouTube. And we also believe in the arts and entertainment and sports and culture to bring people together and have a number of events and initiatives that we've done over the years to bring Israelis, Palestinians, Arabs, Jews, Muslims, Christians, and everybody else out in the Middle East and people in America together. Uh, to learn more about our work and to support our work as we are a nonprofit, please visit ccfpeace.com. That is ccfpeace.com. Uh, as I mentioned, we have an amazing panel event today with the cast and creators of the hit HBO, HBO Plus, I should say, TV series Valley of Tears. To briefly introduce our guest, our first guest, Ron Leshem, who is an Academy Award-nominated Israeli writer-producer. He's the creator and executive producer of the hit television series Euphoria and currently serves as executive producer on the HBO version as well, which is the English language adaptation. Uh, most recently, Ron's film Incitement won the Ophir Award for Best Film and was chosen as Israel's submission for Best International Film for the 2020 Academy Awards. Hey, Ron. Hi, thanks for having us. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, our next guest is the show's other co-creator, Amit Cohen, who is also the creator, writer, and executive producer of the Israeli series False Flag, which is now being remade by Apple. Uh, together, Ron and Amit have also written Fertile Crescent, which is a European co-production by Fremantle for Hulu, currently in production, and Israeli series Gordon Cell, which was later adapted into NBC's Allegiance. Uh, how you doing? Next, we have Shahar, who plays the incredible Avinom. Shahar is an actor and musician who has starred in a number of television shows and theater productions in Israel, with, the with this series being one of his biggest breakout roles, who was absolutely incredible in this. I don't think anybody will ever forget uh, how he portrayed this role. Um, how are you doing, Shahar? Thank you so much for all the compliments. Thank you so much. I'm doing great. You all deserved. Um, and our moderator for today is CCFP advisory board member, Scott Klug. Scott has over two decades of experience in film, Broadway, and television production. In 2009, Scott established and became president of Tremendous Entertainment, uh, an independent production company that develops and produces high quality content for A-list talent. Scott has worked with some of the biggest stars on stage and screen. On Broadway, he produced the revival of Arthur Miller's All My Sons, starring Katie Holmes, Tony Award winner John Lithgow, and Oscar Award winner Diane West. Uh, subsequently, Scott has produced motion picture Hesher, starring Golden Globe and Academy Award winner Natalie Portman, Joseph Gordon-Levin, and Rain Wilson. He's also developed the Golden Globe-willing film Kids Are All Right, starring Annette Bening and Julianne Moore. 
and then on went on to produce the feature film Blind, starring Alec Baldwin, Demi Moore, and Dylan McDermott. So we got some we got some super celebs and super movers and shakers with us today. Uh, Unfortunately, there was a little bit of miscommunication with Lior Ashkenazi's timing. Hopefully, he's going to pop up somewhere soon. Uh, if he does, that'll be an amazing addition. He played uh, many in the show. And with that, I turn it over to you, Scott. Thanks, Ari. Thanks for that great introduction. Uh, and I hope you guys have your uh, apple cider and green M&Ms and strawberries cut in thirds, everything that was on the writer. I hope that's in place for you. Uh, thanks to the cast and creators of the hit show. Valley of Tears for joining us today. Let's jump right in. Uh, as we're witnessing, the doors have been opening more and more to for Israeli content in the global market. And that's thanks to several recent hit shows, including Ron's show, uh, Euphoria. Right, Ron? You had a big hit in Israel, and then it was adapted here in America for HBO. So um, that's really terrific. So congrats to you guys on this masterful project. Uh, not only what you accomplished creatively, but the show's success is widening the door of that exposure for other Israeli uh, content on the global market. All right, so Amit and Ron, this isn't your first collaboration, right? So how did you guys connect and meet? So, well, we were friends for uh, 25 years. We started as uh, intelligence officers working on a peace process. Wow. Then we were, um, we, we were journalists together. Um, I was a news editor and then a TV executive. Amit was covering um, both peace and terror. Amit, Amit was covering um, the Middle Eastern affairs and we worked together and uh, we ended up writing shows, creating shows together, which is, it, it is, it, as you mentioned, there's a, it's, it's an amazing time to do that. We are both, most of the Israeli creators these days are kind of the glue of a, of, a, of a community of creators worldwide. We are we are creating shows in Israel. We are adapting it worldwide. And Israel had become the number one exporter for formats, meaning you create a show in Israel and you film it all over in Korean, in Japanese, and all over the place. Um, Amit is now filming the false flag that you mentioned with Uma Thurman in London. But then we also do shows in languages we don't talk, like we don't speak uh, Korean, etc. But our passion always stayed in touching these subjects that were these kind of uh, shows like we're going to talk today about. Now, are, are all these shows for you guys initially Israeli or have you guys created some shows that started here in the States? No, so um, our, la our last show, the, we, the one that we did uh, in parallel to Valley of Tears was an American European co-production. It's called Valley of Tears. It has nothing to do with Israel. It's, no man's land. It's called no man's land, and it 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 tells it like it it, it happens. It's, it's a thriller and, and a family drama that happens on the backdrop of, of the Syrian civil war, and it was a truly international uh, production for the first time. I think the show speaks um, seven languages. It had uh, cast and and, uh, and a crew from ten different countries: um, Israelis, European, American. So it was a completely different experience. And yeah. Like Ron mentioned, we're developing Incredible. European shows as well. Wow. And how many languages do you guys speak? Uh, I speak French, <laughs> three languages. Three languages? Yeah. Yiddish? Is that no, no, Arabic. Arabic. No, you, Arabic. <laughs> yeah. Um, Amit, so this has been a long road, right? As these projects always are. 
I understand it took you 10 years to finance yeah. this project. Yeah. Valley of Tears wow. was, I think, was the longest project. And Ron said, you know, he was always the optimistic one. He always said, because this, we started working on it 10 years ago and the, the very advanced uh, versions of, of the draft were ready in 2011, I think. And then the production got stuck for various reasons. And Ron always well, said, I mean, so take so take us through this. So take us start us from the genesis of the project, and then your implacable pursuit of a decade's worth of work to finally come ten years later, and then how you got it financed. So just show us a little bit of that journey, if you can. Um, so it's so usually when you when you create in. 2020 or 2010, a show about 1973, the one thing, the first thing you were asking yourself, besides the fact that, you know, uh, you have to say that uh, when you go on such a journey, you know that it might take you five or ten, even 10 years. So you have to choose something that is not just, well, it's a brilliant, it's an awesome idea. We, I, I believe someone will buy it or the audience would love it. You have to choose a world that you, you are super enthusiastic about, a place you wanna live in, an era you wanna live in, bodies you wanna, people you wanna be under their skin, see the world through their eyes. And you wanna choose, you wanna make sure if it's a periodic piece that you have something to say, something new, something relevant. Uh, basically, you can't create a show about 1973 that could have been made in, 1980 right you want to know that you are saying something that that is significantly important for today and and we we knew what was that that like we had this urge to that just to explore a few themes that we felt that are um crucial for israel today and we at the same time we we, we wanted to live in this world in this timing etc so we started writing and a lot of the Com complexities that we had were had to do, of course, with uh, the technical issues. Meaning, you want to have tanks that that uh, that were fighting. The Israeli audience, uh, they're the most neurotic audience in the world, and they are they get <laughs> insulted very easily. And there are a lot of things, but more than anything, they're obsessed with. Uh, looking for your mistakes and you can't use tanks from like that weren't there you need to be accurate but all these tanks were destroyed like 20 years ago and in the u.s apparently there are people who are uh, selling tanks on craigslist which is really easy to get buy. out people have tanks in the backyards so both for 50k you can get a tank yeah it's not like it's cheap i, but, I need one for fifth avenue here in new york the traffic is terrible <laughs> i'm gonna go on craigslist when we wrap it's really easy to get one, but but it, it was uh, unfortunately the Israeli law forbids us from importing tanks into Israel, even for shooting purposes. We had no idea what we're going, and it's really I mean imagine that our budget for a show is is tinier than the budget that Hollywood has for the refreshments on set. Which but this was the most expensive show in Israeli history, is that right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we had to work, we had to find the partners that will believe in the story and will believe that it's going to get to 160 territories worldwide, etc. But we also had to, but that, you know what, all the budget and technical issues were the easiest part, were not the real reason that it took 10 years. The sensitivity it has with touching these issues, the more emotional side of how they, because, you know, Americans are used to writing films and, and books about novels about the Vietnam Wars. We do not write about the, the Yom Kippur War this, happened at the same time 
It's our biggest trauma ever. It's our biggest disaster. It changed us. It changed the Middle East. But we, we only had one film made about it. None uh, when it comes to TV series. And only, I think, one novel, one and a half novels dealing with the war. And that's because we have lots of forgotten war. Now, we, we knew we were getting into the most explosive um, territory while writing right. this. So it took 10 years even in that aspect. And just going back for a second, because it's so sensitive, one of the most sensitive wars, if not the what, what was the catalyst for you to say, OK, this is what we're going to dedicate our lives to. That's what we do when we produce content. We dedicate our lives. So what, why did you guys why were you so drawn to this topic? We think we think the war changed Israel in, in many ways. It was a fracture line that changed Israeli society uh, until then. I think there was a. An illusion or a notion that Israel is, is unified, that Israel, um, after the Six-Day War, Israel, it was the end of history, that everything, everything is going to be great from now, and there was some sort of hubris, and it changed it. And, and but the, the war changed it. Um, on a personal level, we were affected by it. I mean, we all knew someone who, who was in, in this war, you know, specifically. My parents, by the way, they got married during during the war. My father, he was an intelligence officer, um, wow. very similar to to the character that Shachal portrays. Uh, and you know, at the same war, he, he was stationed. He was an officer. He was stationed in, in the Sinai Desert, not in the Golan Heights. And in the same day of the war, he had a, a, a visitor, an officer coming from Tel Aviv to. And my father gave him the tour. And this other, he, the other one, he was intelligence officer as well. So my father gave him the tour and then when they went to the bunker and it's, my father showed him all the indications that the war is imminent. And he says, you know, war is coming. The other guy said, you know, I'm seeing what you're telling me from here. It, look, it might look like, like this, but still, we don't think that it, it will end up with a war. And as they were speaking, Egyptian jet fighters uh, bombed the, the, the bunker and this is how the war started. And when, mm. he, saw it, when he saw it, he, he had tears in his eyes because it, it, it felt so... Uh, it brought everything, and, and this was the reaction in Israel. It, you know, we wanted to deal with something that we wanted to do something that will feel visceral and emotional for Israeli audience that will stay with them. But we, I mean, I don't think we ever imagined how impactful it's going to be. Absolutely. And by the way, Scott, I, I wanted yeah. to. Uh, I, I think you know that that. Wait, sh just Shahar, let Shahar know. I have a bunch of questions for him. They're coming soon. We wanted to dive into the I know, I know, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued. <laughs> <laughs> but Ron, sorry, go ahead. So I, I think, you know, the air raid siren at uh, that's yep. Saturday 2 p.m. was a kind of a, a, um, a it was the funeral uh, kind of a siren for the first Israel, for the Israel that used to, with all its sins and, and Israel ceased to exist that moment and a new Israel was born. And at the end of the war, this war, uh, that there was a young officer who was telling, we, we found the speech of a young officer telling his, his um, soldiers, listen, there was one thing I'm sure of, which is that all our, after everything we've seen here, after all we've done here, after all the sins and arrogancy and, 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 and blindness and all our sins, I can promise you that we're going to be a better country, a better people, etc. And our idea was to ask ourselves not only, I mean, did we fulfill this? Are we a better country? But to choose all the things that were dominant in that war, which means 
things that are tra traumatizing the Israeli society even today. The reason we are all kind of a PTSD kind of a society and all the things that we're suffering from, we wanted to tell this through that war. So I have to admit, yeah, we all grew up on the American films, The Thin Red Line and Apocalypse and, and, yeah. and the Bridge of Rio Cry and, and, and uh, Ryan, um, Saving Private Ryan. Saving Private Ryan. And, we, yeah. we all knew that we are going to make sure that we choose characters and dilemmas and conflict that you haven't seen in these wars because we wanted to make sure that we're not just trying to do something that the, the U.S. Uh, cinema had done better than us. But it was, right. for us, it was a national reckoning for Israel. We never thought of the, this international um, uh, audience. Hmm. Uh, I have one last question about this path, and then we're going to get to the creative. Uh, Ron, your euphorian relationship with HBO, did that contribute to getting distribution for this show? Can you walk us through a little bit? Did you guys have distribution early on? Was it not until you locked picture and then you had to go out? What was that? What we was were that confident. I mean, it's we were confident enough to believe that if we have a tape of a show, we will be able to do the distribution smarter and more efficient than trying to sell the scripts. Two years ago, no, sorry, three years ago, we got an, a, 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 we got a, an offer from an, a U.S. studio that mm -hmm. wanted to film this in English. And we, we were arrogant enough to say, no, no, it won't work. We need to film this in The Israeli audience will never forgive us if this right. is filmed <laughs> with American actors. But then we, so our, uh, product, our production and distribution company, uh, West End uh, Films, they, they send it to HBO and Max in the US and, and, um, and they, they didn't even start. They, they say, well, we, we won't do, even try to do a bid war or something. Let's go with this home, people we love and appreciate and see what they come up with. And they immediately said, yeah, we're in. So it was really quick. And it wow. was amazing, and you know, seeing the reaction from Scandinavia and uh, Poland and um, Asia, people relating to, to the story. It was, um, it was really surprising. And, and Well, it's a story of humanity, which I think relates uh, around the world for sure. And all right, so you guys touched on some interesting stuff. I want to talk about some of the acting and what was cooking behind the scenes. But what you were talking about is it's challenging to create significantly different characters when you have an ensemble. Um, but if we look at your characters, and I had a nice chat with Joy this week. I know she wanted to be with us. I don't think she's going to jump in. Joy played Daphna. And I don't know if we're getting uh, Manny here with Lior. But if we examine those three characters on their own, they had such unique voices uh, from each other. It was just a great achievement by the writers, but even more impressive by the cast. Um, so, Shahar, talk about the path you took to unpack the material on the page that brought Abi Noham to life with such authenticity. How did you do that? Um, I have to say at first that the role fitted like a glove. I think Abi Noam and I have a similar personality. We have the same past. Um, I hope that I will be mature like Abi Noam in the end of the process, you know, because <laughs> He became real strong and independent, and I I love him. I love him. I love this part, and I feel really excited to talk about it in front of both of the the creators mm -hmm. because I didn't get the opportunity to tell them both. Like, it really is amazing, and I feel best. So at first, it was really hard because I'm I didn't know what to do. I, I didn't know a lot about Yom Kippur. You need to understand it. Like Yom Kippur is an unspoken war. I just finished high school. You know how many? You know many? How many pages? It was like learning 
about Yom Kippur in my history class, two pages. That's it. And it's oh, like, wow. the intelligence unit was wrong. The end. And I, I was like, what? <laughs> This is the whole story? And then I, I after I, like, in my audition, I was really nervous because I didn't know a lot about Yom Kippur and I watched a lot of movies uh, before that. And I came really, uh, I was really excited and really nervous. And in my first audition, when I tried, you know, To, to act in front of my with the lines I was I was ready I was ready and then I told the director okay let's begin and then I I, I read my lines and I act and in in the process I, I started to feel like that I, I was shaking and I was nervous and I and I said oh my god I think I'm having a panic attack but I can continue if you want me to <laughs> and they told me no no it's it's okay wait for a second that they, they told me after that that this is the moment they discovered that they found their Avinom so Wow. They're all fitted like a glove. We have the same personality. Um, I spent all my life with animals and uh, my best friend has a pet store. So when they told me you need to be with a, with a jacket within a hedgehog, I said, oh my God, I love hedgehogs. I know how to, you know, how to cuddle with them. <laughs> they said, what? Yeah. I didn't even know what a hedgehog was, I don't think. <laughs> he's an albino, uh, Snowball is an albino hedgehog and it's really unique. Um, and it's, it's the only hedgehog that you can adopt. It's really cool. So wow. it was really exciting. Uh, the most challenging thing for me, you know, is to put my, myself in a war zone, but Avinam wasn't the warrior um, and I was the warrior in, in my duty. So it was really easy for me to feel confused and to feel scared and to feel, you know, every emotion. And I feel that um, it turns out really great. <laughs> it did really great. So going back to your audition, you think you nailed it on the first one? No, I thought I one? thought. No. Okay, so in the addition, I thought like, I, I, said, I said to my mother, I said, okay, it's okay. I'm, I'm not going to get any role. Everything is fine. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to stay with like, with like, you know, teen shows, teen series. It's okay. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not mature enough for the adult uh, series. And then uh, the cast director called my mother and said, we loved, we loved Chacha. And then she said, what, really? And then and she said, yeah. Um, Is it okay? Wait a minute. If this is standard in Israel. She called your mother. <laughs> no, it's not oh, standard at all. No, no, it's not standard at all. Like it doesn't supposed to happen. But she was really nervous. It was okay. Oh, okay. He Valde, the cast director is really an amazing person, and she's an amazing mother. And she and she saw like a child in me, and she asked my mother if I'm okay. And after like few weeks, they told me, okay, can you please come? We have a Vivalush. We want you. We want you. You know, to do the matching with him. the audition and it was magical we mm. were like in like it was just a, an amazing click and we sing in the audition together and we stayed in touch before we even got in and then they told us that we're all together in this journey and i felt so blessed because he was a brother to me and all the cast members in the production really wrapped me up with love and support and made me like made me feel like i was growing up in the in the middle of the process Yeah, it was really cool. <laughs> well, I, I hope we have some Hollywood casting directors watching this. I, I would <laughs> be beside myself to see someone from Hollywood call someone's mother and talk to them about the great role they did. Uh, this this would be so impressive. Much. We'll have to inculcate it somehow. Um, okay, so, man, there was a powerful scene. I believe it was episode four, where oh, one I second we have these bellicose soldiers murdering each other. And then the next beat, Avi Noham, and I think it was a Syrian soldier, was experiencing this intimate moment, which was epitomizing the human condition. 
because um, you're beyond playing a soldier, you are playing a human with layered emotions. So talk about that scene and the depth or maybe balance you feel brought to a story that's really depicting the devastation of war. I have to say that when I read the, this scene at home, I cried so hard. Mm. It was really exciting for me to see that there is going to be a scene that you can see that every person, we all want the same things. We all want our families to be safe. We all want peace. Doesn't matter where we come from, what side we're on. And then um, I learned uh, before that scene, I learned Arabic with uh, an amazing teacher. And she's Arabic, like she's, she's Arabian as well. So I learned, she told me about their culture and about a lot of things before that I got to, to play the, this scene. It was really connected to, to the other um, soldier. And then when I met Lir, Lir was the, the actor that played this role. We felt the connection. Everything felt so authentic and so real. And I remember like, well, I'm getting emotional. <laughs> I remember that um, when we shot it, I, I felt like we, we hugged before and after the scene. And before we hugged the scene was really casual and fun. And after we hugged in the scene, you could feel the tension that like, it doesn't matter where you come from. Like we're all humans and, and it doesn't matter. And, and we just, we cried after the scene. It wasn't being like shot. And it was really so emotional and great. And I feel like um, the point was taken and there was a lot of buzz after it online and social media. I get messages every day, by the way, really? from, I got a message yesterday from someone from Egypt that told me that they love the show. They love the show. And, and they told me, your Arabic is really great. You know, we don't use this kind of Arabic in our country, but I know the Syrian, is, they use it. It's a really great thing. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> well, this is part really of the brilliance of the project is telling from a, a macro level, the story about war, and then having the ability to uh, focus on the micro level human beings, emotions that are universal. And that's why you're getting calls from all over the world. And Amit, you said Avi Noham's character is based on your father? Oh, it's not based. Oh, I'll, I'll just say about something about this scene because this sure. scene Please. of Avi Noham talking with the Syrian soldier, it started a huge debate after when the episode ended. So, you know, it's, it's a drama series, it's scripted. So part of it is, is fiction. Here, in this case, we were inspired by something that really happened. I mean, we had an inspiration of, of crew events and we, ba we based this scene on it. And later on, it, 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 like the audience were debating if it's real, if it's felt real, if something like that could have happened. And many said, no, I mean, there's no way an Israeli soldier would be able to interact with a Syrian soldier in, in, in such a case. And we knew that it happened. But the, the, the strange thing that, like hours later, uh, so many people started sharing their own experience of similar things, how they're interacted with Egyptian and Syrian soldiers in, 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 various, mm -hmm. in various situations. And it's just like Avinam said, we wanted to show the, the surreal side of- uh, you, you did a great job. Hey, Lior, welcome. Hey, Thanks for jumping hi, in. Sorry, sorry I'm late. I'm sorry, I'm in the middle of shooting. Uh, yeah, happy, but I'm happy here. to have you. Yeah, uh, we're, we're, we're actually, we're just getting into some of the behind the scenes and the acting. Um, so let's jump right in and talk to you a little bit about, so it was your own, I understand maybe directed a majority of the episodes and Kate did a few, was, was that how it was set up? Lior, so can you talk a little bit about your experience uh, working with the director? Was it a very collaborative process or uh, was he more of a minimalist? And also in the same breath, do you prefer 
significant direction or rather being the bring the character to life the way you're seeing it on the page uh well first of all with your own it was um well it was an interesting experience because um uh, we we've talked a lot we, we had a lot of uh, um, research before shooting and uh, usually i do the research um by myself but uh your own was here with me because because we combined my, my character is is a combination of three real um, 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 realistic uh, characters uh, journalist the father who actually went to uh, uh, um, uh, search his um, son in, in in the front line and um, so we were looking to uh, how to combine those three uh, characters into one um, so we worked together uh, uh, on this um, uh, uh, this role. Uh, usually, usually, I work. You know, um, it, in Israel, it's different from from um, other um, movie industries or TV industries. Uh, the directors are very uh, involved in the um, um, in the in acting because. Uh, my experience in, in um, doing some international movies or you're all by yourself, usually, you know. Right. Yeah. The directors just tell you, do whatever you think. It's okay. But in Israel, it's more, um, the directors are very involved with the, um, um, in the process and while we are shooting. No, uh, so does that mean better. you guys, does that mean you also rehearse a lot? Or, or do you guys like to keep it fresh and try to capture it on camera? No, usually we rehearse, we rehearse a lot. We have a lot of rehearsals usually. Uh, and here we had also, because of, the, because of the research and the process and we need to know because it's, uh, I mean, real events. So we were trying to, uh, yeah. you know, to do as exact as we, uh, we can. You know. And normally... Is rehearsal something because actors seem to go left or right. They either want to rehearse it and nail it and just bring it, or sometimes they don't because they think they lose the freshness of, of that scene and they're not in the present. What where do you normally like to go? No, we we what do we say rehearsing? We're not rehearsing like we're not staging it. We just uh, we're talking about thing. We're doing the dialogues. We're reading it. We're trying to understand. We're fixing the. Uh, um, the script, uh, I mean, not always, you know, um, we're working with the writers, but here your own was one of the writers. Uh, so um, we were actually writing it while we were rehearsing. So, um, mm. and, and of course, when, we, I mean, it's one thing, you know, uh, to do the dialogue in a, in a closed room, in a rehearsal room, and then sure. go to the field. <laughs> With all the noise and the tanks and uh, yeah, the smoke and everything, so everything changes. Uh, uh, did you did were you afforded a lot of opportunity for takes, or was it, it were three takes on, on each shot? And you had to move on, or did you no? Get we had a, a lot of amount? we had we had a lot of takes. We had a lot of takes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, a lot of that's great. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so. Israelis essentially go into the army at 17, right? Every Israeli for the most part. Uh, 18. Can you both, 18. 
at 18. Can yeah. you both uh, speak about your service, Shar and, and uh, Lior? What did you guys do when you were in the army? I was in the army when I filmed Valley of Tears. I have to say that in the middle of the army, um, I'm, uh, I'm a singer. I was a singer like in the army. I'm in the, it's in the intelligence unit. Uh, it's called like La uh, Katzvait. It's an ensemble where you perform to all the bases all around the country and uh, you support and uplift the soldier spirits. So um, I was doing this at like in the evenings and in the morning. And then in the afternoon, I was in like in the set of Valley of Tears. Wow. Um, so yeah, it was really amazing that they, I got the opportunity to be like, to do the, both of them. And I even got the opportunity, the opportunity to, to talk to a lot of soldiers like from abroad and people that um, we flew to Miami and Los Angeles. And, you know, we performed to all the Jewish communities there. And they told me about Yom Kippur before I was casted. So I knew a lot of things about Yom Kippur only from them. So um, I think I, I need to say them like a really big thank you because uh, now I know a lot of things, you know, when I got casted, I, I knew stuff. Fantastic. Uh, and Lior, what was your what, were, what was your uh, experience in the army? Uh, well, I was uh, a parachute, um, a, 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 like a, a combat soldier. Um, I was serving in, in in Lebanon, in south of Lebanon, and um, and in the in the occupied territories. Uh, well, it was you know uh, yeah, I, I didn't experience war, but I experienced um, you know uh, I, I don't know you say like small battles. Uh, there's a word for it in English, I'm sure, but uh, uh, so yeah, I was. Uh, yeah, I I didn't went to uh, I although I wanted to go to uh, what Shaka was doing in the army <laughs> into the intelligence. Uh, yeah, but I was uh, my profile was too high for uh, <laughs> for uh, you know being well, that's close not to a bad not a bad thing. <laughs> it's a good so, thing. I'm a medic, so and so yeah. how much were you able to pull from your experience in the army? and bring that into the characters in this? And how much did you have to say, okay, well, I still need to do some research. Maybe there were friends and family that I can get their experience and then help adapt and make your character complete. The thing is in Valley of Tears, uh, I was doing uh, my research because I was a civilian in the, uh, right. in, in the series. And uh, the research I've made was more about um, what happened in between, we saw a lot of uh, like homemade footages, like soldiers were shooting with eight millimeter uh, camera, um, you know, just for, you know, for home, they're like hobby or whatever. And so we saw a lot of, a lot of uh, footage, like, you know, and I, I, I concentrated on that because uh, this is what I wanted to see, the, you know, the, the not the not the newsreel or you know the uh, the reporters or whatever. No, I didn't want to see any uh, like propaganda because there was a lot of propaganda then. Uh, the 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 media, you know, cooperate with the uh, with the government back then. Uh, so back home they didn't know what what's going on in the in in the front line. Uh, mm. but soldiers were shooting with their eight millimeter camera. Uh, and this is what we, uh, this is what I prefer to do uh, as, and because of my character as a journalist. So 
at the beginning, we were trying to, uh, you know, take uh, a millimeter camera and shoot it. And then, you know, to insert uh, real footage into the, um, um, into the series. So you had 50 year old uh, real behind the scenes footage from the yeah, soldiers. Yeah. 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 So, Which so was, was there's no, you know, with eight, eight millimeter, you don't have any sound. So just, just images. And to see actually, because there's no sound, you can see more details. Uh, you even, you, you're more concentrated on, on, you know, on the, um, on the loops of the, of the soldiers. And um, yeah, and we saw things that usually you don't see in the, uh, you know, in the mainstream media, which are not mm. allowed in, in the Israeli TV. Um, yeah, those, those kind of stuff. And we were trying to, when we find the, uh, there's a scene that we, uh, we find this command, command car, uh, you know, with, with dead soldiers. And we actually took almost, yeah, not, not exactly the same, but almost. We took from the footages we saw and, and uh, trying to, uh, you know, um, uh, to misunderstand it. That's uh, well, an ama amazing access that you don't normally get. I'm sure it was helpful. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Amit and Ron, um, we know the most valuable currency in filmmaking is time. Uh, getting your shots in the day, right? Man, this is a massive undertaking. Uh, shooting on tough terrain, uh, ensemble cast, mostly exteriors in an uncontrolled environment, tanks, night shoots. How challenging was this production and keeping your schedule? Did I, did I hear you guys uh, only slept 10 hours a week? Did I hear that properly? Or no, that can't be. <laughs> So you can imagine the, the cast together with Yaron uh, had to move to the Golan Heights, which means you're filming in the actual um, locations of the war. And, and since, as I mentioned, the Israeli audience is so neurotic and gets insulted so easily, part of that is the fact that people who were fighting in the war, uh, not only those that we invited, and Yaon was generous, uh, and, and also um, his exploration was uh, the deep uh, desire to, to dive into the research it, it was, was incredible. But at the same time, there were so many ex-soldiers that were uh, super nervous about the way we portray them and how accurate we will get. And they were uh, constantly trying to... Uh, get a hold of us and, and, and stay in touch and try to, uh, so it's, it's more of an emotional, I think it's a much more of an emotional stress for everyone who was uh, on set there. But yeah, they, they spent time and, and imagine we had to um, put this uh, filming on hold for three weeks because of uh, the tragedies in Syria where um, missiles oh, and kidding. rockets were being uh, shot. This is part of the fact that you're filming in a region that is still constantly in wars. Um, sure. I, I think, and, and it's, is, and, and the sensitivity you were, the crazy thing is that you, when you're filming so intensively and, and, and you still have to be so careful about, you know, one of the challenges is the fact that when you're filming a war series, uh, you're always an anti-war story, but at the same time, you might be glorifying the war. And, and a lot of that is uh, things that we had to be, uh, very careful with. Uh, so we chose themes and ideas like Shachal's story tries to 
his relevancy to our world is the fact playing the whistleblower or, or the Cassandra type of a character who is fighting for his truth and trying to tell his commander, you are wrong. And this can be relevant today for climate change or for the, the fact that people worldwide are losing faith in democracy or so many other issues that we are not seeing the warning signs. We are blind enough not to recognize that we are heading into disaster, for example. So we felt, okay, this story might be and Lior is, is, is portraying something that is much bigger than the war story. It's a story of social justice. It's a story besides his emotional journey, which means he's the guy when, you know, the, the 60s of the U.S. arrived uh, in Israel sometime early 70s. And this guy who was fighting four, four and a half wars in his past is now a pacifist. He's, uh, he's radical left. He's fighting for, uh, for social justice and against racism. And suddenly he finds himself drawn back into the war. So it was all about this. And when you're when you're trying to, and, and you know, it's, I, I don't want to do any comparison to that, but well, like, uh, just in the U.S. know how much we never talked about in our homes about the Holocaust. We were not allowed to mention the Holocaust. And then the Eichmann trial came and suddenly people were hearing their parents uh, sharing their stories. So what, what, what was mutual to all of us is that we finally, after this, like opening the wounds of the Yom Kippur War, when we were working, when the cast was working, when we were filming and then when we uh, were already on air, we finally, for the first time, saw our fathers and mothers, our families, not only sharing the first time. And that was that didn't only happen when the show was out there and got and broke all rating records uh, in the public broadcaster. And, and, and you know, if you look at the Wikipedia statistics, um, all the months of, of, of uh, the, the show, when the show was airing, we were always on the top of the five most um, uh, uh, most uh, um, the f five. I think Wikipedia has a statistic of the five profiles or pages that are most uh, researched. Um, but uh, but we were also we, we we it was it swept the country because of that. What you're talking about the sensitive like. The fact that immediately we had 50,000 followers on the, on like sharing their own personal stories on our website page, sharing as a community, sharing their personal stories. So this for the cast, it started in the process of rehearsals and, and shooting. Yeah, I uh, think so I, I will just, I will just add. You Go know, ahead, Amit. Sure. On, on the production side, it was, it was crazy. I mean, it was crazy yeah. because I think we shot like, um, eight pages of script every day, sometimes 10, sometimes a little bit more. And wow. on our other projects, on your European projects, I mean, when we tell people that these are the way, they, they can't believe it because if, huh. if you ask a, a European, let's say, European filmmakers to do four script, four pages a day, it's, for them, it's, it feels crazy. We spoke with a, with, a, with a French director and he was shocked because sometimes he, 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 he all he does is one page every day. I think, yeah, well, they're a little bit different. They're exactly, but, but I think Italy, at, a lot of coffee the, breaks. Exactly, but I think here at the end, it, it, I mean, it, we were able to achieve it because everyone felt it, it was a war, the production, and everyone felt recruited. And I but think were you guys is, actually shooting inside tanks and in early on in the tunnels? Are those all yes, authentic course. locations, or you had of some course, in the no, no sound stages? 
no, no, no. Authentic locations in the Golan Heights, and like Ron said, on the other side of the border, there was a, there a, a civil war, and from time to time, Israel, you know, bombed in Syria, and you don't know, and you shoot a, a war series, and you don't know if it, if if tomorrow a war will, a real war will start. Yeah, really that, that's not fun. How, how do you get a camera inside a tank and shoot dialogues and scenes? <laughs> Lear had to like dr <laughs> practically drive a tank. You, you want to tell them? Uh... <laughs> uh, well, we actually went to the um, um, to the museum of, um, of, of the tank idea. driving of tanks. Yeah. And there's like um, uh, the tank there was cut into two, actually. So you could see the inside and we were shooting from the outside in. So the camera is not actually in the tank. It's, uh, you know, well, movies, uh, we're lying. <laughs> but, we, but we had, I think, three tanks that were actually in the field, two Israelis yeah. and one, one Syrian, and then they were multiplied. All the big scenes that, that you, you see, all of them were VFX work. So this is That's the first how, time, the first Israeli production. So oh, that, that's the interesting yeah. thing, by the way. So it's, uh, it, yeah. you know, there are so many Israeli VFX CGI artists who are working worldwide and they never had a chance to create an Israeli show because that CGI. Uh, the Israeli um, talents, CGI uh, artists are working for Marvel, for Pixar and worldwide. And this, this time, um, these guys got the opportunity to multiply. After we, we told you a bit about the process of trying to buy tanks from Craigslist in the US, but then yeah. when we already had these three tanks, uh, the CGI started and it was the first, a, a very intense uh, Israeli project with CGI and VFX. It looked incredible when you saw a field of 100 tanks. I mean, it, yeah. it, it Everything, looked as every authentic as possible. Every color smoke, every flash from, from the rifle, everything is, is VFX. Well, we have a ton of audience questions I want to get to very soon. Uh, I want to touch a little bit on the pursuit of success in the global market. This is something personally I think is very important that I'm trying to work on. And I think it's great for Israeli creators, uh, the continued exposure. So what are, uh, Ron and me, what are some of the variables that you seem to understand and apply to your shows that have been securing global distribution that maybe some really talented Israeli creators haven't figured out yet? Uh, I think the, the first thing is, is never try to engineer it. Never try, don't think about the global, the global market. Tell, tell a story, focus it on, on characters. When we started working on, on Valley of Tears 10 years ago, it was before we had Netflix, HBO Max, uh, Apple, right. Hulu, no one ever imagined that you, uh, an Israeli speaking show is, is something that you can sell worldwide. So we wanted to do the best show we can for Israeli audience. I think if you try to engineer it and if you try to think of specifically a German audience, an American audience, you'll fail. You'll get something that is not, doesn't feel authentic. The, um, for me, the, the amazing thing about the global market is not the, the business opportunity, not, not the, the, the business side of it, is but sure. the fact that more and more people are willing to look at someone else's culture, open the open window and see how things are, what's going on in Israel, what's going on in Italy, what's going on in, in, in South Korea. And this is so the, the best thing, I think, is to find your local story, which feels authentic, yeah. organic, and focus on characters and tell it. And by, and by the way, the more provincial you are, the more universal you are. 
But I mean, we come to, we write a story because it always starts with a place we want to be, characters we want to be. But it also, we, as writers, we always hope that art can transform the world with the truth. And uh, this is, so we are just working out our grief and our rage and our wounded hope and our deep desires just to awaken people. But the interesting mm-hmm. thing is, I think that what the interest, when you ask yourself what is common with the Israeli shows that are out, out there in 169 territories, I think they're all shows that have kind of an edgy mainstream DNA. We are writing it. We're trying to write edgy show. And by the way, Valley of Tears is, is all about chaos. We work in chaos. This is our the beautiful thing about the DNA of the way we work. We 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 always uh, we are messy. When we don't obey the algorithm of drama sometimes, although we admire them, but we try, we are less afraid to fail and we work in a mess. And that creates a, and we, because the Israeli audience is so neurotic, we create edgy shows, but because the Israeli market is so tiny, you only have 1.5 million household speaking, Hebrew speaking households. It's and the, and the suburbans. I mean, it's like it's tiny. So you have to create mainstream shows. Otherwise, it, it doesn't make sense financially for the network. So you create edgy mainstream. And this is a, a kind of a very interesting combination that 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 was a DNA that that is, I think, intrigues people worldwide. And and, and mm-hmm. I, I, we are now grateful for the fact that the American market is is so open to Israeli shows. Before that, we were doing a lot of shows and selling these Israeli shows worldwide. I mean, people know Lear and, and, and now Shachal, but people know Lear for many years now in China, Brazil, Africa, all over Asia, by the way, South America, all over because the shows were successful there. And the American audience was more strict about watching shows with American cast about America right. taking place in American soil. So, And this is where we started off. I mean, the beauty of this door opening and getting the opportunity to see this incredible, there's so there's an ocean of talent in Israel and it's exciting to see it out there. Lior, I know you're on set. Uh, I really appreciate that you were able to jump in. So listen, Gal, Tomer, Efrat, Barpeli, Imbar- there's, there's a handful now of actors uh, that are working in America and um, we want to see more. I- I'm curious how this show has been possibly opening up doors for you. So can you tell us a little bit where you're at? What are you shooting? And what's next for you, Lior? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, well, we're, right now I'm shooting um, Leo Raz uh, from Fauda. It's a Netflix mm-hmm. show, uh, kind of a, a, let's say, spy thriller, um, which was uh, we're shooting in Tel Aviv and in New York. Uh, yeah, we, we actually, we've been shooting it last year, but then uh, the COVID came into our life and we had to stop. Yeah, and now... Pesky. A year after, we, we uh, <laughs> it was all very strange. Uh, we, yeah, a year after we, and, we again. Uh, and this is officially a Netflix original. show, right? He's got a deal. It's an so this will guy, be on it's Netflix. Like Netflix, uh, Netflix original, yeah. Uh, and um, incredible. Yeah, and I'm now. Um, well, I'm I'm in the middle of editing my m- movie, which I directed. Uh, oh, terrific. It's a it's a it's a remake actually it's a it's a remake of Italian movie called The Perfect Strangers from uh, um, 2016. It's about uh, three couples getting into dinner and um, they they um, they decide to play a game. Put all the phones, the cell phones on the uh, on the table, and 
every text message, mail, uh, messenger, call, whatever comes in, you have to say it out loud. Um, and you can imagine mm. what happened in the next of the, <laughs> the next of the, uh, it's a, uh, let's say it's a, it's a kind of a comedy and it's nice. So well, I mean, congratulations. Uh, I know everyone's going to be looking forward to seeing it. That's really exciting. All right. I got to get to some of these audience questions. I mean, we, we could talk for hours. The show is so incredible, so layered, so much depth and so much talent involved. Um, I see that. So when you guys opened up uh, the show with the voiceover and it sounded a little bit like you were insinuating Israel was maybe a little bit too comfortable from the past war. Uh, I believe you mentioned, let's see, uh, this, this, is, uh, this audience is asking, talking about the three no's, that there was no peace with Israel, no recognition of Israel, um, that the star of the series, so it says Egypt wanted peace and Israel turned it down. Was that actually true or is there something else that was fiction? Could you just elaborate on that part? It is all true, of course, and, and um, I mean, we were trying to capture in this very short introduction both the fact that, I mean, it's a story about how the generals uh, were partly hiding from the prime minister, from Golda Meir, we had a woman prime minister back then, uh, hiding uh, the warning signs from her, and the Israeli society was very arrogant. Now, you can argue whether... Uh, the fact that when the Egyptians said, we want back our Sinai desert, uh, let's talk peace, Israel didn't believe them. They, they, when Israel said, we prefer uh, to hold the Sinai desert as a buffer zone and not talk peace rather than have peace and, and give you this buffer zone, which is a kind of uh, a wall, you can argue whether Israel had um, the excuse to be so fearful and, and, and fearful of destruction. Or or and or is it or or, do you, or is it Israel Israel refusing to peace talks? But all of these scenes, this is gets us back to what we started this conversation is with. That what you're, is scenes. that what you're saying, Ron? Are you saying that they were refusing to get into negotiations at all? They didn't believe the Egyptians, yes, but that's part of our part of our arrogancy. This is the first scene we had in '73. Like we had lots of scenes, but. The, the major scene was the, uh, was the fact that we were back in euphoria, but at the same time, we were fearful. So it's all together. But yeah, we refused to peace negotiations, of course. Uh, that's Diana, very interesting. And we've had a few Diana, questions. Uh, Diane actually said uh, it's better uh, to have Sinai, Sinai without peace than uh, uh, peace without Sinai. Or some, I think I'm... Yeah. I'm, I'm Saying it's right, but uh, right, yeah. This was the. I mean, it was a very military uh, uh, time here. It was like, yeah, almost uh, like. Okay, uh, we have another another audience question. What impact do you think the popularity of Israeli shows like yourself uh, and Valley of Tears, uh, like artists like Gal Gadot, um, what are they having on the Israeli image around the world, in your opinion? Uh, Amit, you want to take this one? Yeah, well, I don't know. I, 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 all I can say, this is my, to give you my, my narrow perspective, that, I mean, it, okay. it's not something that, uh, that concerns me. Um, we're telling a story. We're we try to focus our stories on characters and emotional trauma, on psychological journeys. It's not, um, it's not about Israel. It's not about 
uh, you know, and sometimes it's not even about politics. I mean, when I, when I write or when, when I'm involved in a story, I try to look at the emotional and visceral side of it. Um, if it changes, hopefully it changes someone's opinion for the best and not for, for the worst, but regard, regardless to, to the story. Uh, and I'm not even using, sure. trying to use the, 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 the word propaganda because it's not only about value of tears, it's something general. Uh, you know, Ron mentioned our mutual history. We were intelligence officers, then journalists, then writers and creators. There's something similar, yet something different in all, in all three of them. When you're in, an intelligence officer, you try to find a story. There's a story that someone's tried to hide it from you and you try to find it. When you're a journalist, you tell a story. You try to, 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 sure. to deal with, with the truth. And when you're a writer, you create something. You create a world, you create an environment, you create a world you want, you want to live in, like Ron mentioned. So there's a lot of similarities, but a lot of different things in the end. And it's about, it's about, it's about this. It's about telling, telling the most interesting story we can tell. Well, so and by the way, that, I, a... just to say, it's important to say, though, one thing we are really proud of when it comes to the Israeli uh, film and TV industry is the fact that we are free to fight for our opinions, for exploring. We're not doing propaganda. Like. And I mean, we have the freedom. So it's not, not okay. a, I mean... So basically, when, when people ask, when people are so sensitive and how are, are you, are you are contributing to, are you doing good for the Israeli image or not, or not? We are telling them, you know what, the best is, image for Israel is the fact that writers are, and, and, and cast members and everyone, all creators have the freedom to, um, to explore what they think. Absolutely. And, and so I've seen a bunch of questions here. I don't blame them. Is there going to be a season two? And what can you uh, tell us about that? We don't know yet. It's too early, okay. but we will know soon, hopefully. Are you, are, but are you like, I imagine you have some notes somewhere and some ideas? Uh, of course. We, we, I mean, we had uh, long talks with Leo about that. We are, we're all of us, uh, we, we're still, we're not sure. It, it has to do with HBO Max as well. It has to do with our partners worldwide and the 60 countries that are enjoying the show, but we, we don't know. Yet. Was was uh, Moshe United Kingdom? They're involved with distribution as well. So uh, our uh, West End, as I mentioned, West End Films are running the show, both as producers and distributors, and okay. and um, and they they've done an incredible job bringing this show to so many places. We've never. I mean, wake we we. I mean. Waking up in the morning, seeing the most important and, and, uh, and largely circulated newspaper in Norway saying that this is one of the most uh, brilliant war films, uh, shows in all times. We were really surprised. We never thought of it. I mean, we say, well, maybe in the U.S. people are, know a bit about Israel, but Norway is not something we were told China. So well, send, yeah. that, send that article to HBO so we can get a season yeah, two. Hopefully. Waiting on it. Uh, okay, another question. How did you come up with the idea for the last scene of the series where Manny's in the Shiva and he looks up and he sees his son? Lior, you want to answer that? You want to talk about Lior? <laughs> well, uh, the thing is, uh, after the, um, the Kippur War, many, many people, not just soldiers, but there was something in the Israeli society that changed. Uh, and it was changed also politically, uh, social, everything. And, and many of the, um, let's say, uh, from actors, writers, uh, uh, politicians, 
went into uh, religion. They actually, uh, uh, they made uh, tshuva, uh, we say here in, in, in Hebrew. Uh, I don't know, it's something really, it happened back then. Uh, and everybody was shocked about it because you, usually you should, you'd see like, you know, in the tenant guy, the most famous tenant guy in Israel. And then one day uh, he'd become uh, religious. And uh, mm. so we thought it, uh, that's the process of many. Uh, that's probably, this is what happened to him. As, as in, uh, it felt organic to me. I think, so. I think it worked yeah. nicely. We're gonna to have to wrap it up soon. We don't. We don't want to keep you guys here all day. We had some debate here in Israel. It wasn't yeah. that. It, it, it didn't went easy. <laughs> I, I've one. I've one last question that I, that I didn't understand. How come the Air Force wasn't helping us out? Why? Why were they trapped? Why didn't the Air Force just come in and bomb those tanks? Like, what was withholding help for those units that they were stranded? Two reasons. One of them is the the size. I mean, the, the Israel was attacked on, on both front lines. So most of the at first the, the air force was occupied with the Egyptian front line. And the other thing is this: uh, there was and this was a surprise. The the Syrians had a lot of um, anti air missiles deployed. Ah. And when when the air force tried to help, and we have something like this in the scene, and ma many of the uh, jet fighters were, were hit by it. And then in, in 1982, during the Lebanon War, um, but they was, uh, also they, they didn't they didn't they didn't prepare. I mean, they, they were they were surprised. They they didn't expect it, and it was a chaos. I know. I talked with uh, you know with um, with some uh, pilots uh, who were back then. It was it was chaos. Nobody knew, and and when they were bombing, most of the bombing were on our soldiers. Uh, uh, um, because there was no intelligence uh, maps, nothing. I mean, uh, mm. the, uh, the great Israeli Air Force actually collapsed in, in, in 73. Yeah, I, uh, I couldn't understand it. And there's a movie on Netflix right now called The Angel. I don't know yeah. the accuracy of it, right? So it's yeah. almost like a prequel talking about what the spies and, and how they were coming. So true story. that was insinuating. Yeah, it's a true story. Yeah. Is it pretty accurate? But they're insinuating that, okay, even though he's crying wolf a little bit, that they he was giving you the intelligence that an attack was coming, but I guess they just weren't sure if yeah, it was true. Really, it's one, yeah. one of the biggest mysteries in the Israeli intelligence community is his intentions. Oh, really? But, yeah, uh, Ashraf Mawan. But at the same time, I mean, it's important to say that he was once one, like a small piece of the puzzle. I can tell you that the intelligence units in the front line, the, the unit that have enormous characters in it, were Ron and I served. They were hundred percent sure that the war is coming because they 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 they, show, they, they read all the signals. Yeah, all the uh, warnings I'm gonna get were to, ignored. I'm, I'm going to get to uh, one or two more. Sorry, go ahead, Jar. No, I said that all the warnings were ignored from the intelligence unit. They all tried to warn everybody. We all felt really, um, they all felt unstoppable. Like you just won three wars. They thought they were unstoppable, and suddenly. Um, the war broke and things got out of hand and that's how the story ended uh what's next for you sorry oh for me for me hi yes um, sir <laughs> so singing um, acting what, what, what are you doing? <laughs> i'm releasing my first single soon uh i'm really congratulations excited about it. thank you so much thank you so much um and i'm starting to play in um two 
series for teens. Uh, one is for Nickelodeon. One is for the same channel that we did um, Kana Hatesle. Right. It's a channel here that was aired, Valley was aired in. And um, I'm a gamer, so I compete every day. Like today I have a competition when, when I compete. So like, I'm really like excited. Fortnite? Like that type of thing? <laughs> um, Fortnite, I play Fortnite, but I'm not like a, yeah. a professional gamer at Fortnite, <laughs> but like other games like League of Legends and stuff. Yeah. Awesome. And did Nickelodeon call your mom when you got the part? Um, they did. Actually, they did. <laughs> I got it. When I, I'm coming this summer, I hope I'm invited to okay. your mom yeah, as well. You, 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 maybe a nice Shabbos dinner. Maybe in person. You, we'll have yeah. a kid. Maybe she'll convince me to, to give join. Okay. Yeah. I would okay. love it. So, yeah. All right. So <laughs> we're going to wrap up, but I want to hear last. Listen, it's been a really long year. Thank God for your series. I know everyone I know has been watching it. We've all been binging. What else are we doing locked up in our homes? I want to just hear one or two things from all of you guys, what you've been binging, anything to recommend. Let's start with you, Lior. Sorry, I, guess I didn't hear that. The last. Is, is there anything that you binge that you want to recommend uh, for us uh, as we're still locked up a little bit? Any shows that you loved, you watched uh, over the last year or films? That... Oh, uh, I have, uh, I mean, my list is very, I didn't get into- uh, well, Give us I... two. Yeah, <laughs> I was uh, <laughs> yeah, working. Um, um, and the lockdown, when everybody was in lockdown, because I'm, I'm participating in um, in a satire show like like Saturday Night Live, the Israeli Saturday Night Live. So we were very, we had three uh, um, three three elections here in 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 two, two years, and now we have another one. Right. Yeah, so very exciting. We were so busy. <laughs> we were so, busy. so uh, yeah, my list is very. Um, Mm, all right. Uh, Amit, what about you? Um, my re the recent show that I watched and really enjoyed was uh, The Great and Hulu, uh, which it's, it's, it's fun. It's, it's a lot of escapism and fun, and yet it's, it's real and visceral and talks about you know, human nature uh, on mm. Hulu, really good and an amazing production. Right. And I really enjoyed uh, My Brilliant Friend on HBO, an, an Italian show. And again, it's another demonstration of the you know, looking at someone else's culture, opening a window and looking at something that is different. So this one I really recommend. It feels like reading a good book, which is, you know, it's based Especially on Especially Italian shows. Because yeah. who doesn't want to be in Italy? And you watch these shows in Italy, and you're like, oh my gosh, please exactly. transform me. Ron, uh, give me a couple. So of I, I think Hulu's uh, Normal People is, is incredible. And everyone oh, must wow. go back to yes. anyone who haven't seen years and years uh, with Uma Thurman, which is a British show, but it's incredibly, uh, it's well done, but it's incredibly important and relevant. And, and also, um, and, 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 and this is America. And, and of course, like everyone else, I watched The Crown. I loved it. So. But Mrs. <laughs> America is beautiful. Lots of great awesome. shows. Thanks. Shahar? Um, I watch a lot of anime, as you can see behind me. So this is okay. like my type. But the last episode, like the last series that I watched um, is No Man's Land because my mom told me, um, Shahal, you need to see this new show. Amit and Ron made it. And so I said, oh my God. So <laughs> we binged it together. Again, I'm talking about my mother. I'm no, I'm a mama's boy. But um, we watched it again. It was really touching. And yeah, so you should watch it too. Uh, it's on Hulu. Yeah, I heard it. Thank you, Shahal. Scott, what, what's, what are you watching? Yes. Gosh, I'll tell you, I like to share what I think people don't know about. I think it's maybe one of the top five shows I've ever seen. It's also an Italian show called Gomorrah. 
Um, if you like The Wire, it's very yeah. gritty. It takes place in Naples, it, and it's unbelievable. Also on HBO Max, I'm waiting for the fourth season. Um, there's a French show, which is really quirky. I don't know what they, they keep changing the title. I think it's called Call My Agent or 10%. It's like this small town agency. Yeah, in France. yeah it's not and, the third season. Yeah, yeah. The, the it's funny now. because to, they're tonally they're all over the place like one time <laughs> yeah. it's a comedy in one episode and then it's like very dramatic and there's just like yeah. zero like it, it's it's hilarious um, yeah it. so that's it Ari what about you well everything Amit mentioned The Great was one of I think the best shows of this last year Queen's Gambit was amazing yeah. um, if you haven't seen that Euphoria <laughs> Ron one of the best Thanks. shows of the last few years and she can't wait for the next season. So call a vote on, on creating something so nice. great as that. But before we go... Is there another Israeli season or, or American? I've watched the American version, American. which Ron helped... Oh, the Israeli version is terrific, too. I'd, I'd have to watch it. By the way, before we go, there's one really critical question we didn't get to, which everybody wants to know from Shahar, is where is Pine Nut now? Where is... Where is <laughs> Pine Nut. Nobody. Snowball, <laughs> snowball. Okay, okay, okay. My hedgehog. Um, we're still in touch. We talk like <laughs> weekly. I'm, 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 I'm like, I'm serious. Um, I know the person that uh, is the owner of uh, of Snowball. He lives in a farm in the north, and I visit him a few weeks ago. And I'm supposed to visit him next week, and I'm really excited about it. He's, he's all right, and he's evolving, and he's getting mature and getting famous. Okay, so we hope to see him in a, another series soon. Um, anyhow, thank you guys. This is an amazing discussion. I want to thank, thank all you, of you. Too. Thanks, Scott. Thank you so uh, much for having for us. Moderating. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, by the way, if you haven't seen the series, HBO Plus is streaming now. I recommend not uh, dubbing version, but watching it in the Hebrew version, and you can see the Absolutely. subtitle. Um, as far as CCFP, we have a lot of events coming up, so please stay in touch. Check us out on social media. Once again, we are nonprofit, so please uh, think of donating, ccfpeace.com, ccfpeace.com. Everybody stay connected, stay safe. Thank you, especially Lior. I know you were busy today. Bye, guys. Thanks for everything. Bye-bye. Thank you so much.